Hello guys, welcome to this brand new space that we're gonna create from today, which is Encyclopedia Alcoholica. This is the first installment of this beautiful podcast with me, Bruno Canotto, and in absentia, because this has like a, a, a you know, a different creator as well, because he, he sends me some tips and whatever, and he cannot be with us today, you know, because I have COVID. I explained in a different episode of a different podcast, which is History Forgives the Without. It is our, our brother or sister podcast that is like, uh, you know, with us during this, uh, this, this, uh, this transition. Yeah. So History Forgives and, and We Don't is going to continue with me and my son and we're going to go, you know, whoever. We're not going to stop. And now we're going to start with this one. But this one is going to be, you know, me alone and sometimes uh, he's going to do some, uh, some um, how can you say, uh, some uh, appearances, yeah, in the, in, in the podcast. And it's going to be, you know, nice because in, the, in that way he's going to really, because he's an historian and he's going to go really deep on this kind of subject because it's subjects that he's interested, yeah. So in this podcast we are talking about the people who made me yeah basically that's it people i admire and people who who who, who doesn't mean they are absolute degenerate bastards and that's what they were some kinds with sickness uh, vices opium alcohol hookers blackjack whatever the fuck i don't care it's just you know we're trying to get to the the man behind the man yeah it's not like we have like uh, we say like uh, uh, behind a good man there's a great woman yeah in my case yes but in uh, in this case you know it's like uh, we have to think like what is behind what is the demons what is like the 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 peop the the person oh, come on can I, how can i explain this it's like the the demons behind you know like the the things that plague them when they are you know when they are doing his career or whatever, yeah, it's like like this thing, yeah. Today we're gonna go back to my teenage years, yeah. Uh, think about this: we are in the '80s, no Spotify, no CDs, and vinyl <laughs> was the only thing out there, yeah. <laughs> Basically, that's it. And cassettes. Strange as it is, that's what it was, yeah. It was in Brandoa, uh, district of Lisbon, and we were all kids, broke as fuck because we didn't have money just to buy a bubblegum, let and more, yeah. And then we have some guy, you know, like with a with a um, uh, cut, you know, uh, jeans jacket, yeah, with like some Iron Maiden stuff, and I got here your thing you like, and blah blah blah, and we were just kids, like f like ten, twelve, thirteen, you know, and. Uh, the 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 thing is like in those days you know you didn't have like you know the things you have today you know you have to think like out, a little bit outside of the box and we pick up some guy's backyard or you know living room or whatever where we have space yeah and do like more sessions more sessions you know like kicking you know like throwing out you know and like guys you know like Picking up guys and throwing them in the sofa. This this is what like meh, fucking hell. It's like you know broke people shit. You know you don't have it. You have to do it somewhere else. You know you have to be inventive. Let's say, yeah. Uh, 
But the problem is, you know, in those days, you know, when we were kids, you know, it was like a very, um, today, no, because people have like awareness of that, yeah? You have a lot of access to alcohol. Even if we want to, don't want to, in any house in Portugal, there's wine, there's beer, there's uh, a lot of things. People in those days didn't care a little bit about those those kind of things, you know. Like, ah, fucking hell, there's one beer missing. Maybe my son and 15 of her kids can drink one beer. Ah, come on, man, fucking hell. It's like uh, we, we, we get like... Uh, uh, we go to a, a supermarket and we get like that, you know, it was like no no checks, no nothing, you know, it was, was nuts. In those days, come on, man, it's crazy. And and the, the problem is, you know, we got drunk, you know, a little bit, yeah. Then we started to get mosh because it's like this, if you, if you get a little bit anesthesiac, yeah, truly, you're going to get kicked, you're going to get punched, you're going to get, you know, like a little bit out there, yeah. And then, you know, you, it doesn't hurt so much if you smoke a joint or do something like that. You know, it's, it's kid shit, yeah. So we get an exercise and you go to a, some guy's backyard and whatever. It was like fucking crazy. Serious. I, I want to have like, in, in somewhere in my mind, I want to have like VHS tapes of that shit. Because it was fucking horrible. You know, like people hurting each other, you know. Sometimes you got to go like, uh, you know, like five guys and the guys, the guy was like in a, in a wall, yeah. Like uh, two meters up and he jump and we have to catch him and uh, shit like that. I mean, come on. It's like, you like you seeing American or in British videos, you go like, fuck, that's what we want to do. But we don't have money. We can move from, we can go to Amadora, which is like the... You know, the, the the head of the council in that area, you know, you can do it. It's fucking nuts. Serious. In those days, man, come on. It was like horrible things, <laughs> you know. And because the guys, you know, it was like the, the vinyls or the, the, the records in those days were so expensive. For example, uh, the medium, let's say, the little uh, paycheck... Um, weekly, let's say, was like twelve thousand five hundred, yeah, in escudos, which was like the 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 coin in in Portugal at the time, and we have to think like one one vinyl cost because they were imported, they came from England, they came from the the USA, whatever, yeah, was three thousand five hundred escudos. So that thing was like fucking gold. Sometimes it was like two guys going to a to a shop and buy it you know because we didn't have money so there was two guys that buy it you know like like uh you know society yeah they buy it like uh you know like like uh you know like like buying in in a in in bulk yeah they buy like two free albums you know it's like they split the 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 cost between three four five guys it was not nuts and we remember that, like, uh, my mom gave me, like, uh, 25, 50 escudos, like, a, like a, you know, when money you had to give from school. You have to think about this. It was, like, fucking expensive. So those, those records in those days were passed down by gold. It was like, fuck, man. So we really have to, you know, get it covered, get it there. You had to, you know, really, really be be fucking careful what you're doing, yeah? So you don't want to scratch it. You don't want to do nothing because it's from another guy who is like 15 years old, bigger than you. He can punch you, punch your lights out. That's it. 
It was horrible. Serious. <laughs> you don't want to believe, yeah? So, because we didn't want to, you know, to change the, the tracks a little bit, you have to be very careful, you know, when you have like the 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 needle yeah of the of the record player yeah you have to put it right on the thing just don't scratch it it's like gold yeah so for us not to you know go around and you know like picking like 1500 tracks or you can you can pick motherhead you know like uh, the ace of spades or you can go metallic master of puppets you know one uh, the mage incorporator you know whatever you want to you want to go but you, you you're gonna go for the track that gives you more time and gives you more you know space to do whatever the fuck you want and you know it has like breaks and stuff like that you know it's 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 a horrible thing serious man you have to think about all this shit you know it's like you know you have to have planning yeah so the thing was that we remember the 1984 album from iron maiden which was power slave one of the best albums I think in heavy metal history because they have like two or three tracks some of them people don't know but this was the one it was 14 minutes long you have to people have to think 14 minutes 14 minutes you can do a lot of shit and because you have like the needle and you can point it like to the the real exact point because it's like very big it's not it's not in the middle of something yeah people have to remember that you have to pick it like that yeah gold yeah it's, for example i'm telling you the the price of those those lps you know you have to pick it up that's it and the rhyme of the ancient mariner was like shit long and we had a lot of fun because he had breaks melodic breaks and you know you could take a break and whatever yeah and you know in the other day you know like the other day it was like two or two one two years ago i can't remember it was like uh, my son Leo, yeah, and it was in school here, in in the UK. So he was like uh, doing some English lit or something like that, and he came with a with a with a with a book, you know, about what they are, you know, what they are reading or what they are planning to do, whatever, yeah. And it comes to the rhyme of the ancient mariner. I was like, what the fuck is this rhyme of the ancient mariner? This is like a Iron Maiden song, but man you don't know sometimes it's those things you, you don't know you really don't know it's like come on rhyme of the ancient mariner is like the only thing i know about the rush of the ancient mariner is the iron maiden song i didn't know i didn't know uh, for, for example in the in the curriculum in portugal you don't talk about this gentleman that we're going to talk today samuel taylor coleridge we don't it's just that you know even, even if you think about it the strangest of that you don't talk about him you know it's like uh, you know we talk about Portuguese poets Fernando Pessoa Camões whatever man it's like another different thing so Samuel Taylor College is not in the curriculum and we don't know about him this is the 80s come on man I'm just like a, a dumb a dumb fuck from Portugal yeah it's like what? what's the rhyme of the ancient man I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm just gonna gonna say this and I'm gonna, gonna I'm not gonna gonna re uh, not gonna be a dick about it yeah so this was this i'm gonna say yeah the rhyme of the ancient mariner but in my head i know i uh, steve harris always based himself you know in things that he read and whatever yeah and he this for example he did like uh 
the number of the beast with the the 666 which is in the bible and whatever yeah it's like camp tattooed or you have a sign this basically was the same thing yeah but it is like for example you have to do it for a song i never read the the the, the fucking poem before i didn't know what it is yeah so it was the most important poem on the lyric ballads along with other poems it's often considered a signal shift about modern poetry, the beginning of British Romantic literature. So this is like a little bit academic, but okay. You understand if you are in the UK, but if you are in Portugal, trust me, it's important. <laughs> yeah. All right. <coughs> so I was gobsmacked and I read about, read the poem and come with a different respect. I was fucking big because he's, he's enormous, man. It's like something come from Camões and the Lusíadas, which is fucking big. You know, you you, you can you can uh, uh, pick up two lorries and fill it up. You know, you have it, you have it. You have a, a full charge, yeah. So it it was beautiful, but the bottom line, old Sam, you know Samuel Taylor Coleridge, yeah, was a bit of a Rubik's cube, yeah. Yeah, it's true, man. It was like fucking nuts. And I said about it, and, and that's what we have in Encyclopedia Alcoholic. And, and this was the first program. And I think it was like, come on, man, I'm going to do something very different for people to understand. We're not, you know, dum-dums that only write about James Hetfield and Axel Rose and stuff like that. Come on, man, that's, that's hitting on the, on the poor man's back. Yeah, come on, fuck. So, Samuel Taylor Coleridge, yeah, was born in 31 of October 1772, yeah? was an English poet, literary critic, because I don't care about this shit, philosopher and theologian who, with his friend William Worsley, was a father of the Romantic movement in England and a member of the Lake Poets. I read about this. It's, it's strange. There's a lot of uh, things, uh, you know, like a lot of literature, movement or whatever, yeah. Right. He also shared volumes collaborated with Charles Lamb, Robert Southey, and Charles Lloyd. And he wrote poems, The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, that's what, you know, what came to this today, yeah. And Kublai Khan, yeah. He was uh, the major prose work, biography, literary, and his critical work, especially on William Shakespeare, yeah, was highly influential and have introduced German ideologies, philosophy to English-speaking culture. Coleridge coined many familiar words and friends, including the, the suspension of disbelief, yeah, and included a major influence in Ralph Waldo Emerson and American transcendentalism. Sorry about that, okay? Portuguese. <laughs> now, this is the thing we, we have to talk about. This is Encyclopedia Alcoholica. We're going to treat about ailments, things that you suffer, yeah? If you drink, if you smoke weed, if you smoke opium, if you, you know, eat your head in a, in a wall and you get depressed and you start taking, you know, opioids, whatever. Come on, that's it. Uh, through the adult life, Coleridge have creeping bouts of anxiety and depression. It was speculated he had bipolar disorder, which is not proven, but on a... You can, you can go through there, yeah? Which had not been defined during his lifetime. He was physically unhealthy, which may have stemmed from a bout of rheumatic fever. A rheumatic fever, if people don't know about it, is like something... My mom had it, you know, when I was born, yeah? Something... It, it's, it's a, a shit disease, you know? You don't, you don't want to really have it. You don't want to, yeah? 
and it takes a lot of time to to you take a lot of pills medicines because it's one thing that it g doesn't go from three months it goes like for years yeah another child illnesses and he was treated for this condition with laudanum laudanum is a very good thing yeah serious man in the in the westerns yeah the if you see like uh, deadwood yeah which is a, a a series in the early 2000s i think was like the the some of those people out there you know was addicted to laudanum and it was like fucking horrible laudanum it was fucking horrible it's like a tincture of opium yeah basically it's heroin but you know in a different state in a different way in 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 a no you know not treated like we have today you know with synthetics and stuff like that but it was like you know really fucking hard it's like you know you go in the desert and you take mescal which is like mushrooms yeah and you take that thing in a pure state it's it's like jim morrison you go whoa man i'm gonna write the end and uh, and uh when the music's over because of this you know so this is what like you know real you know hard shit you know it's not you know even you, sometimes you can put a mushroom or you can put tincture a lot of them with the highest percent of uh, of uh, of drug inside yeah of opioids it's fucking nuts man serious i don't know how people did it man, man but one of these days they're going to criticize us, but that's what I think, yeah? So, from 1791 to 94, yeah? College attended the Jesus College, Cambridge. 1792, when the... Blah, 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 blah. This one was like... That's what I want to read about it. He won a brown gold medal for an ope attacking the slave trade. In, in 1793, he left the, the King's College and listened to 15... The King's Light Dragoons, which is like a real military regiment, whatever, yeah, using the name of the fuck, man, come on. When I want to die, if I use an alias, yeah, I want to be this guy, yeah, Silas Tom King Comberage. It looks like a decade or, or cockage or something like that. I don't know, I mean, fucking hell. Because the death of death, of because the girl he loved, Mary Evans. And rejected him. This is goes like the the when he get like the um, the addiction. Yeah, his brothers arranged for him to uh, to his discharge. You know, they didn't let him go. Yeah, a few months later, and the reason of insanity, he was readmitted to the Jesus College. That's the one I love. Magicians here, you know. Come on. Uh, and he, he though he never received a degree from the university, so he was not. You know. Um, you know, a scholar or something like that. He was like, you know, real man's man, you know, you're right and whatever, yeah? So, college was widely known to have been a regular user of opium as a relaxant. Come on, man. Fuck. It's opium. It's opium is like heroin, but it's not treated. People f sometimes thinking like, ah, fucking Chinese people, you know, they, they bring the opium disease or whatever, whatever, Man, they don't think about the, the because the, those things, you know, in those days, in opium, it's like you have dens. It's, it's like, uh, you know, going to McDonald's, you know, ah, fuck, man, I'm going to have an hamburger. No, in those days you get a, you know, a pipe full of opium, you sit there, there, you rent a fucking chair or whatever you want to do, and you stay there, you know, you stay there getting high and, you know, chasing the dragon over the, I saw this in the movie, I can't remember where. 
these guys chasing the dragon because they did like the, um, you know, when they, they split the opium bowl, yeah? It comes like with a liquid, with something, then they put it on the, the fucking pipe and you, you're gone, you know, for two days. So there was guys I know that was like there for three months in a fucking thing. You know, they have to take their shit, you know, like they shit on the, you know, on the... Um, on the on on their place so people have to clean them up and stuff like that but i saw like a you know like a documentary on this don't ask me why all right but it was nuts hello i was back because i had to go take care of some stuff and uh it's like calling a dramatic break yeah yeah <laughs> so uh i take like 30 45 minutes so the 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 question is i was like reading like the the thing about Samuel Taylor Coleridge, and I and I went to check the 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 point in itself. If 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 I, you know, I was being like a cunt, yeah, to the man, yeah, it was not. It was really that, you know. It was like, uh, you know, he was a regular using opiate, yeah. So, but the 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 thing was, uh, Coleridge kept his addiction hidden as possibly as close to him, you know. He became public knowledge with the, the publication of Confessions of an English Opium Eater by his close friend Thomas De Quincey. The Confessions painted a rather negative picture of Coleridge and his reputation suffering accordingly. Where Coleridge first developed his opium addict is an issue of some scholarly yeah, dispute. But his days from a relative uh, youthful period in his life, Coleridge's explanation is cleared or laid out in a letter to Joseph Cottle, yeah, so I'm going to read the letter, bear with me, because I'm not British, so maybe sometimes you can get, like, things with accent, or whatever, yeah. I was seduced into a, the accursed habit ignorantly. I had been almost bedridden for many months with swelling in my knees. In a medical journal, I happily met with the accountant of a cure performed in a similar case by rubbing in of laudanum nice thing at the same time giving a dose internally i acted like a charm like a miracle at length the unusual the seamless subsided the complaint returned the supposed remedy was recurred but i cannot go through the dreary history suffice to say that the effects would produce which acted on me by terror and cowardice of pain and sudden death. However, many scholars agree that Coleridge had resorted to laudanum, the tincture and the form of opium. People don't know this, but you know, is a really heavy shit. If, for example, if laudanum was, uh, you know, was available now, it was like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go far fetched. It was like fentanyl. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes you go like um, opium. Yeah. Opium is like heroin, yeah, and fentanyl, it's like uh, laudanum, yeah, it's like treated, it's like most processed, whatever, yeah. It gives you a, a, a really big kick. I don't know it because I'm not a brother, I hate, you know, addictions of, of that sort, yeah. Particularly due to the times of nervousness and stress, because laudanum was idly, widely available, it's like Coca-Cola, yeah, beautiful. Uh, widely used as an analgesic as well as a general sedative, many people were giving the drug for all sorts of medical nervous complaints. 
Coleridge was probably given the, the, the drug numerous times in his youth during several bouts of rheumatic illness, the, the rheumatic fever we're talking about early on. Yeah? Small medical dosages seldom led to full-blown addiction. Still, for Coleridge, who experienced the painful return of the symptoms many times in his life, it indeed introduced him to the use of the drug most, much earlier. Then his story to Cottle admits that regardless of when where college uh, uh, opium addiction began, it was clear that the more reliant on the drug he became, the more his work suffered, the less he was able to focus and concentrate. One more of his strained relations became, in fact, it was arguable that the analysis of college life must be done against the constant background of opium usage. So, this guy, you know, really fuck himself up. He's like, you know, I remember like, I'm gonna go far-fetched here, but he, he ain't go far. You know, was uh, Jim Morrison, yeah? Jim Morrison had like those things with peyote and uh, the things with mescaline, which basically is the same thing, but, you know, at the time they call it peyote. It was a, a Indian medicine that, you know, like you travel to the spirit world and thing like that, because he didn't get addicted right away. He just read about this, uh, you know, um, you know, drug. Then he went to the to the desert to try it. It's fucked up, man. I didn't have the balls to go alone and do that, man. Jim Morrison was like, he's one of my idols. We can talk about him. We're gonna talk about him in a in a different episode because people have like the wrong idea about. Jim Morrison was really talented. You know, he's not like a fucking drunk or something like that that people portray him in in the media and the news. You have to read his, you know, his work to really understand what what is there. Yeah, people, are, you know, are idiots. You know, they only see the the movie from Roland Stone and start like, eh, what the fuck? He was a drug addict. No, no, he wasn't. You know, he's, he he was a drug addict and he was uh, an alcoholic. But fucking hell, man, he was like a, a fucking genius. But seriously, you know. <laughs> Come on, even even if you don't try it, you can. You always gonna 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 go go there, yeah. So, but the issue of of opium in Coleridge's life is never a straightforward issue because he often hid it from the public and the family view, and oftentimes it exaggerates his importance to his work. In 1816, the political of his major opium poems, which is a part of his work, which I didn't read. I only had like, like one or two, but fucking hell, it's boring, man. Don't take this the wrong way. It's like, it's boring, really. You know, I don't like it. You know, it's like, because in, in Portugal, we have like uh, one, um, one poet, Fernando Pessoa. After you read Fernando Pessoa, it's like the same a bit of, uh, like Calorage. It's like, it's like um, he was really, you know, like when he goes through those, those motions, yeah, He's like the same thing. I don't want to read about another guy that's that's high on fucking, you know, opium and rights. Fucking hell, man. For some madness, I, I get one, yeah? Don't get me two. I read Fernando Pessoa, all his works, yeah? So fucking hell, man. I, I, I grow a little bit tired. You know, so fucking hell. Don't, don't give me one. Because... But in often other times, he's exaggerating in the importance of his work, yeah, because it's like that, yeah. In 1816, uh, the the publication of his many opium poems, that's what I'm saying, Coleridge personally drew a connection between his creative work and opium usage. 
desperate for some finance of success with his project, Coleridge intentionally attempted to portray himself as a dreamy opium eater because he, perhaps rightly, believed that he would draw a morbid fascination to his work. It's a little bit like Jim Morrison and whatever the guys we're going to talk about in this fucking, you know, like podcast. Every guy here, you know, has like a fascination about this guy because I think this guy was a little bit of the fucking source of, uh, you know, I don't know, let me think. Some guys that, uh, you know, are, are completely out of it. I can't, I can't picture one now, but uh, Oscar Wilde, for example, yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know, he didn't, he didn't die of uh, opium overdose. Yeah, let's let's say, you know, he didn't. He went in absinthe. I think I, I drink absinthe a lot of times, yeah, and I got drunk with absinthe. Seriously, I mean, I, once I was like with my cousin, which is in, you know, in upstairs now. You know, he died. He was a very good friend of mine and I don't want to talk about it because it was like, it, it's too painful. And, you know, it, she just told me, fucking hell, hey bro, you talk, you're drinking that shit. You're going to go, you're going to go haywire. I did that. Don't do it. And it's like, ah, fuck man. It's like two or three shots of alcohol, man. I drink like five, six. Man, I was in a plowed field because that thing, I was having a party with some friends in a, in a, in a, um, like in a, in a farm, yeah. Fucking hell, man! I was in a plow field, all fucked up, and 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 you know, in in my face with the mud. You can hack this one, man. You really can. It's fucked up. It is like you don't want to believe it. And he died of absinthe poisoning. Absinthe, you know, poisoning or overdose, whatever you want to call it. You know, he's one of the drugs of choice in the in the in the seasons. Yeah. So. Uh, the 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 thing was, opium played an exciting role in the public image of romantic literature for a long time. De there was kind of a cult glamorization of the drug, and a morose allure of st to stories of its usage. Yeah, for respectable mangas, the bourgeois were thrilled about such taboo subjects. You know, this is like uh, you know you're gonna see Metallica and you wanna go listen to the album again. Let's go. Fucking hell, man. Come on, it's stupid. With this in mind, Coleridge generated an image of himself with a dreamy poet who created drug-induced fantasies. This dream Im image of himself began even before he was widely known to have been addicted to opium. Yeah? One of a series of biographical letters written to his friend Thomas Poole, which is the other guy we talked about in the, in the, in the beginning of the podcast, Coleridge painted this picture of himself which would always endure. College writes, so I became a dreamer and acquired an indisposition or all bodily activity. So always was a lazy fuck. <laughs> I was fretful and inordinately passionate and I was could not play at anything. And I was slothful. I was despised and hated by the boys. By the boys was like the, the guys that, you know, was like the, their, their peers basically, yeah? The slothful image was one that endured even some of college's close friends. College may have consciously created in the early part of his career to draw attention away from his addiction. Yeah? It was the only letter that college perceived advantage to drawing attention not to himself as a mere lazy scholar, but a dreamy opium eater. It's like uh, kind of like Kurt Cobain. You go like, man, you have to admire his work. You don't have to admire his pain or his, like, fucking, you know, you know, like like the thing. I, I remember one of these songs 
uh, was like um, uh, Francis Farmer will have his revenge on Seattle. Heard of it, you know, it's in the uh, in utero, the, the, the last album, yeah? Because it was from a woman that was like, we can talk about Francis Farmer, I can do a show on it. It's fucking amazing. Francis Farmer is another, another subject I, I want to, to do it, yeah? Because Francis Farmer was like uh, one of the Seattle natives, yeah? Because Seattle is in the ass end of nowhere, yeah? He's in the shit can of America. And, and at the time was most, because I think uh, Francis Farmer did like movies in the, the fucking 50s, 40s, I can't remember. But uh, the and, and I I think I remember her in the part. She was not like the you know like Greta Garbo, you know those uh, those uh, you know those those women that you remember from the forties. Those stars, you know, was not. But she was really good. I saw like one, I saw like one or two appearances. I don't remember a full movie, yeah? but I I remember I saw something of her. But she was really good. You know, and she died in a mental hospital because uh, she was diagnosed schizophrenic, I think, if I cannot remember. And she was one of the first people to be treated with electric shock treatment, uh, cocaine and heroin and stuff like that. And it was like fucking horrible. It was like one of those uh, the, one of those people that really, you know, take the, the, the blame. It's like, it's like, I'm not going to go to our, you know, esteem uh, sister or brother podcast which is history forgives what they don't but if you find like something about Mingela Joseph uh, Mingler was like the, the the guy that was like the Nazis that that you know tried things on uh, on kids when they were in the concentration camps you know tried drugs try uh, operations try this try that you know they were all a bunch of cunts but you can't you can't really you know, it's like the the necessary evil. You know, they were a bunch of cunts, but that's that's the way it is. Yeah, I can I can't change that. Yeah. So, this was the Coleridge at that time. You know, told the the most famous of that connects Coleridge's work with his opium using in well known as the, the preface to his problem Kublai Khan, Cambridge Rhodes. Listen. This is like this. It's like uh, you have like uh, Fernando Pessoa. If you read it, you have an, um, a poem called Opium, and this is like same shit all over again. These guys are are not cousins, but one lived in the UK, the other one lived in Portugal, but they are a little bit of a cousin. Yeah, the other continue for three hours in a profound sleep, at least of external senses, during which time he has the most vivid confidence that he cannot have composed less from two or three hundred lines. On waking, he appeared to be himself have a distinct recollection of the whole and taking up his pen, ink and paper, instantly and eagerly wrote the lines that are here preserved. At this moment, he was unfortunately called out by a person on business from Porlock and detained by him above an hour and his return from his round found to his no small surprise and mortification that he thought he still retained some vague and dim recollection of the general purports of the vision yet with the exception of some eight or ten scattered lines and images all the rest had passed away like the images on the surface of a stream 
into which a stone has been cast. But alas, without af the after restoration of the letter. This sleep is the story said by Coleridge to be a sleep of opium. Yeah, you get fucking high and then you, whoa, -ho -ho, let's go, man. And Kublai Khan may be read as an early poetic description of his drug experience. Yeah, you get fucking high and you're right. Uh, good. The fact that the poem is generally regarded as one of Coleridge's best is one of the reasons of continued interest in debate about Opium's role in his creative output and romanticism in general. Coleridge, in his lucid moments, understood the problems with which, uh, excuse me, with which he struggled better part of the most. In 1814, letter to his friend John Morgan, Coleridge wrote about his difficulties. About his difficulties. In exact proportion, as I loved any person or persons more than others, and would have sacrificed my life to them, were they, they sure to be the most barbarously mistreated by silence, absence, or breach of promise? What crime is this scarcely which has not been included in our followed? From the one guilt of taking opium, not to speak of ingratitude, to my maker, to for the, the sorry uh, for the the wasted talents of ingratitude to so many friends who I love love to me, I don't know why of barbarous neglect of my family I have in this one dirty business of laudanum, laudanum, that's the 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 real poison there, a hundred times deceived, tricked, nay actually consciously lied and yet all those vices are so opposite to my nature that but the free agency annihilating poison verified belief that I shouldn't myself to be cut in pieces rather than have committed to any one of them you know this is like anti-hero stuff for for my opinion for example there's a there's a musician person I'm going to call him person because uh, a lot of people hate him. You know, it's like, uh, you know, it's uh, it's like stuff, whatever you can do. You know, some people hate him, some people love him. I, I'm one of those people in the camp that's in the middle. Some things I agree with him and some things I think he's a, he's a fucking fake. But I love him. That's the way. It's Marilyn Manson, yeah? Uh, people maybe attribute him to the, if we are listening this in the USA, people are fucking hypocrites, man, because, uh, like, because, you know, the, the killers of Columbine listen to his music. It doesn't mean that he, he goes to them and, ah, uh, oh, fuck, I influenced you in your head. Come on, man, there's nothing to do with that. He is like a genius, and people have to regard him as a fucking genius. Marilyn Manson, yeah? And I remember one one uh, one um, one of his songs, which is like the uh, I don't like the drugs, but the drugs like me. Yeah, basically is this. I don't like the drugs, but the drugs like me. You know, it's 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 uh, it's a little bit terrifying, but th the way it goes, the way he you know he he talks about the um, the way in, in which he's like um, how can I explain. The way he is portrayed, or he portrays himself, is the same fucking thing. I don't know if he takes like the 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 
the the inspiration from uh, I don't like the drugs, but the drugs like me, in in his work. But it goes, yeah. In some respect, college life bears a resemblance to that of a modern opium addict, yeah. And forces as much as college had to some grasp of his addictions and their result, as well and and usually sharp sense of how his addiction must be treated. Many of these closest friends and peers did not understand normally. Yeah? The people who might have served him best, like Sophie and one Wordsworth, was far too willing to maintain his image as a soulful, selfish, despite his professional help that he constantly bestowed upon them. Men like Robert Sophie, natural conservative in an outlook, was not forward-looking enough to comprehend the possibility of Coleridge addiction. Being a mainly physical dependent, despite the fact that Coleridge himself, as a growing number of professionals, like his friend Gilman, were aware of physical aspects of drug reliance. On more than one occasion, Coleridge pointed out that, that physical restraint might eventually lead to a cure. So, this, is like, this guy is like the, the you know, uh, rehab in the 1800s, yeah? And on several occasions under treatment of Dr. Gilman was led thus to the edge of freedom from the drug which he had formed such a dependence. Southie wrote from the position of moral indignation and explicitly denied the physical aspect of the drug issue. Southie wrote to call it with acknowledging the guilt of the habit he imputed is still to morbid bodily clauses, whereas Every person who has witnessed his habits knows that for indefinitely the greater part of inclination, indulgence, there are the motives. It seems dreadful to say this, but it is so, and, and know it to be so from my own observation that it was of all with, with whom he has lived. This is Cottle. is an insanity of the species which none but souls physician can cure. So now we're gonna go to the latter part of his life, which is in uh, in um, in Highgate, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, was some you know some university or something like that. So in 1816, college friend and physician Joseph Adam put him in touch with a Highgate, Highgate, sorry. A doctor named James Gilman intended to place Coleridge in his full-time care and effect a cure addiction problems. Although Gilman initially had no intention of taking a stranger into his household, he was so charmed by the poet in the first meeting he agreed to take him in attempt to cure. Coleridge spent most of the rest of his life in Gilman's house with the only brief periods away. James Gilman was ahead of his time as a physician of addiction. Although he, c he could never stop Coleridge's intake of opening entire, he managed to bring it under great control for many years. Undoubtedly, Gilman's treatment and friendship, that we owe much of Coleridge's later prose works, which is uh, the Biographia Literaria, Lay Sermons, and Opus Maximum, Coleridge virtually became a member of the Gilman family and even accompanied them to annual vacation on several occasions. When Coleridge was away from the Gilman household, he fell back to excessive opium use. You know, it's like uh, fucking hell, man. You go to Minnesota and then you come back to the Bronx. That's, that's it, man. You go, you go all the way. 
Yeah, each time Gilman managed to step up and return the colleges to his home, the control and control less harmful opium dosage. The pharmacy were, the poet obtained his scripture supply and sometimes an illicit addition to it still exists in the high street. Yeah, through moved few dozen yards in the original premises. Yeah, so this this fucking pharmacy still exists as well. Become one of the colleges' greatest champions, reputation and commonly defended in his friend, polite society in print one of college's earliest biographies, yeah? Coleridge, oh Jesus, Coleridge, sorry about that, uh, reputation was somewhat restored during his years in Highgate in lucid periods. He became kind of an early setting of literary establishment and he was visited by many of the period's most influential writers and thinkers, despite Gilman's care. However, college was overcome with respiratories and enlargement of his heart. Coleridge died at the age of 61. So, I'm going to say this. This was like a guy that had a genius. He died. And uh, he left uh, maybe two of the, the best British, uh, you know, poems of all time. The, ry the rhyme of uh, the great... Uh, the rhyme of the ancient marriage. Sorry about that. I'm not British, yeah. And uh, the Kublai Khan, you know. And it was lovely. But I'm going to try to get in the, into more of his work. I just read, you know, like, come on, man. It's like I read Kublai Khan and Rhyme of the Ancient Matter. I, I, I spent almost like uh, half an hour reading those and one hour trying to dissect it. And I get fucking bored. It's, it's a little bit. It's not like Jim Morrison or, you know, you try to, to an analyze what he's saying there. You, you can go... Because it was very simple. Here, no, it goes like fucking hell. I mean, you go from zero to 150. Fuck, come on, wait a minute, man. I have to go like 150 points to go to where I go. And, 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 and Jim Morris goes zero 25. You can understand what I'm saying, yeah? So I'm going to say this. Um, guys, this is the first episode. I hope you like it. I hope you make comments. Uh, try to understand this is like uh, you know a shorter version of uh, of uh, of uh, Coleridge life I try to go to some sources to inform me about this I try to read it but as I take I talked in the in our city's podcast I try to to condense that and condense that is only by Wikipedia and some other source I try to to uh, make a collage or out of this history.com is equal to Britannic I try to take a little bit of all of them yeah but sorry about that but that's the way it is man I don't have time to to go you know the the full Monty on this yeah but I'm gonna say this man take care beware that's Omicron out there right don't don't, don't don't always take a mask when you go you know shopping Try to be the best, the the best, uh, be, be good boys, good girls as you can, because this shit is really serious, man. I have it on my body. It's not a good, a good thinking, yeah. And I have like three vaccines and a flu vaccine, man. I take the the most care, and I got fucked with this, man. I had like a terrible Christmas, yeah. So guys, have a nice holiday for you together. But think about this, man. Try to keep safe. That's the only way you're gonna get it, yeah. Get vaccine. This is not a political statement. Forget about it. This is me giving you advice. All right? Just keep safe. Just keep safe. And there's, that's taking vaccines, taking precautions with one another, take tests. 
let's see if this like thing in in the future like three four years and down the line man it's gonna go away all right big hug thank you very much guys uh, from encyclopedia alcoholica we're gonna try to make a, a new year's day special with some friends of mine with my son and we're gonna try to do like a a fucking thing i don't know who's gonna be the guest or the guy we're gonna talk about but this is the first one all right big hug from me my family shex the hedgehog and everyone out there man all right keep safe bye Thank <laughs> you.